You call that radio? As you call that radio, this is the new single from the Gyro Babies. I'm not going to play it off, but it's my birthday. So I thought I'd play a wee clip of our new single, It Fell at the End, and then we'll start the show. Fucking right, I'm miles away Hand on window, can I I'm still in high Can't say I better wake up far away Last place you'd expect me to I'm still in high Can't say I wish I could be more normal for you the things I saw you, sort of hurt you And a piece of that pie as I cut above you First there was light, then there was two Then three words said the self-combust you Trust you to think out loud, now she don't trust She honesty's a need, dearie, but in practice it's not good Flirting with the truth, and it fussed up the court She blotting out stupid stuff that comes back to haunt you Is it lust, is it love, do I need you or want you? Head hurts, damn bust, abandon the cartoon Smart moves for us, vanished into a dark room Process negatives, snap the void in the van Vacuum plans cause for alarm Like a harmony harms you Come then do the camp But imagine the sand tune Fucking right I'm miles away Hand on window Can I do I'm still Right stop I'll stop it there I'll stop it there That should give you You either have decided already Whether you like it or not The second verse is better But that is It felt like the end By the Gyro Babies It's her first new single Since December 2019 You get it on Spotify Or Bandcamp uh, this is uh, you call that radio audio podcast, and we're going to have the amazing hip hop legend that is Mystic of Digital Underground fame. Most of you know Digital Underground through Tupac. She she's got amazing stories about working with Kanye West and basically everybody who's everybody in hip hop. And I know we're coming up in the fiftieth anniversary, so even though we had a hip hop artist last week with Slug, if you've not checked it out, check it out. And I'm gonna try and split it up. You know, I'll go for a comedian, an author. Uh, a, a rapper, a singer But I think since it's the 50th anniversary of hip-hop We thought we'd do too and, and also, it's been quite a tough month With festival season We're just back from Butefest Festival But that I was just glad it went ahead It was a great wee festival the, Many of the festivals haven't been as lucky to go ahead So it's been a bit of a It's been a shite, shite weather as well, isn't it? Scotland anyway, it's been shite So I thought, let's get some positivity This is recorded earlier in the year and Mystic's such a positive person. I think we could all do with that. So I hope you enjoy the interview from Mystic. And uh, yeah, after the show, please do check out the new single. It's on Spotify. It should also be on Bandcamp by now with six exclusive remixes. There is a swearing version and there is a radio edit. Not that that many radio stations play us, but Cam Glenn Radio played us and uh, Sonny Govan did. So shout outs to them. But yeah, just back from Beautyfest and thought we'd, we'd try something different by starting with Spotify. Because we've been on Spotify for a while. I did do a one-man boycott of Spotify, but I think they they won that battle. And I think we probably lost that battle and ended up having less fans. And even though we've been on Spotify for a few years now, I still grudge it. So it always goes Bandcamp first, a YouTube video and then eventually Spotify and all your apples and stuff like that. But this time we just started with Spotify only. And it was a birthday single. So, yeah, always do the birthday single. If you're going to have a birthday, 
and you're online and people know it's your birthday, then why not have a single at the same time? And it's doing really well on Spotify by our standards. You know, we're quite a niche band and we've been out the loop, so I'm not really sure what's been working, if it's working better than it would have. But it's our first single since December 2019, so we thought we'd try it out. We've got hundreds of new stuff. But anyway, enough about me. I just thought before we start the show, we should talk a little bit about festival season because it feels to me that we are in a bad place here, not just for festival season, but for live music in general. I've never seen so many cancellations, uh, postponements, and generally people that should be bigger playing, you know, even people that are playing the bars that are, that are almost selling at the bars, they bands should be playing bigger, state, uh, bigger venues, or playing this, or they're playing the bars twice. It feels like people aren't like going out as much, and then um, that could be down to the cost of living crisis. It could be, uh, it could be um, people are just used to staying in the house after lockdown. I'm not sure what's going on, but I've never been so disillusioned by the current state of things. And I mean, obviously, there was lockdown and that, but there was absolutely no gigs. But I mean, it just feels like there was a little bit of a burst after it where people were buying tickets, and it just feels like people aren't buying tickets as much anymore. And I think during lockdown, we all, well, I definitely did, we all hoped and naively assumed that last year and this year could be an extended summer of love, like something to match the summer of 69 or the the rise of techno and swedgers. But it's it's not been like that. It's actually been really hard work. Lots of bands splitting up. And lots of confident artists, myself included, just getting a bit more anxious on stage. I think it's because you just stopped for it. We stopped, everyone stopped for a year or two. Everything just seems a bit more harder work these days. I thought the idea of live music in a field would be the antidote to the misery, bad news, isolation, a community rising from the shit in togetherness to sing and dance. And the people in charge have just not allowed it, whether it be the cost of living crisis, the red tape, the lack of funding. But this post-Covid, post-Brexit, divided kingdom has all the money in the world for coronations, corporations, state funerals, giant cruise ships, and war. Obviously, they've always got money for war. They've got all the money in the world for MPs to get their wage rises, but not for emergency services in the front line who save our lives. There's absolutely nothing for the supermarket workers or the, the dudes delivering your takeaways by bike. So really, what chance do musical artists or or party planners have, the ones who give us joy, they make life worth living, the people who kept us entertained throughout lockdown, because everybody went and watched films and listened to their favourite music and listened to podcasts, but wage rises only seem to be available for people who vote against our interests and a landscape spearheaded by the manky megaphone of the toothless, the truthless and the clueless. And as the system crashes, so does our ability to think and have fun. It's the last thing to go in when you're budgeting. The only thing our miserable little island has going for it has been our ability to create art. And I think it's usually due to those endless winters. It usually gets creative people to go into the studio and 
create the weird, the wonderful, the anthems, the stupid stuff, the funny stuff. And that still happens. But what is an artist without a canvas and what is a band without an audience? Today we're just asking, before we start the show, is festival season dead? Spoiler alert, it's not dead, but it needs some major surgery going on. How do we bring it back to life? I'm, I'm speaking generally about the UK scene, but more specifically about the Scottish independent scene. You've had other lands cancel duty, low ticket sales. You had Woodland Dance Project postponing their May event to September due to, for the same reason. You've got Midnight Sun and Stornoway cancelled days, days, just days before the event due to low ticket sales and rising costs. Mugstock, we, right this week we should be looking forward to Mugstock, but that's postponed until August 2024 due to lower than expected ticket sales. And then you've got Down the Rabbit Hole cancelled after losing a fortune in 2022 and being unable to come back from the controversy of owing some people money. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are delighted and took a lot of joy in the death of Down the Rabbit Hole. I'm certainly not one of them. The festival going ahead this year was going to be one of the was the only way that anybody with money had a chance of getting paid, but there was a lot of people involved to in the media uh, who had nothing to do with it, and people who just like a, a Twitter pile on. So, Dinner Abel made mistakes, and you know I'm actually going to do a, a Dinner Abel special because obviously I had a front row seat for that one, so I'm going to do a Dinner Abel special for the patrons. So, shout-outs to the patrons. Thank you to everyone who supports You Call That Radio on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash You Call That Radio. It's £3 a month, and you get raffles, free guest lists, discounts and festival tickets and stuff like that. And um, it's never been more important. I thought that I thought that it was, uh, you know, with live music coming back, that I would be... I wouldn't really need the Patreon as much, but Patreon is, is saving the day again for me because all these cancellations and we are not a band that takes deposits. We will be a band that takes deposits going forward, I think. If there is a band by next year, because it's, it's scary times, it's scary times. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, what I will say about Dinner Rabbit is, is that, you know, from what I've seen, they did their best to try and sort it by continuing and they made mistakes but between covid and brexit in 2020 being cancelled and then 2021 being cancelled at the last minute due to last minute plans from the the government they were already in a lot of debt before 2022 happened and they tried to add big names like patty smith and add an extra days a thank you to loyal fans for rolling over and that was 2019 prices. These prices were set in 2019. And with the rise of diesel for generators, everything, the price of everything has went down up. So the price of everything has went up and the price of artists has went up. Everything has got more expensive. Um, both Westminster and Holyrood have made mistakes in how they handled the people affected by sweeping last gasp changes. The newspapers do what newspapers do by printing a lot of mistakes. They always print mistakes. And they quoted unnamed sources and copy and pasted social media comments from people who have never been to a festival. But, yeah, I don't want to go too much into doing... What I would say, the final point I'll make about doing the rabbit hole is, is that if 
you know, they made mistakes and they owed some people money. And it would have been good if they'd focus, people had focused on that rather than making up a lot of malicious, a malicious smear campaign and then celebrating. Some people celebrating and enjoy that another festival is gone. And that's just some of the festivals that I've mentioned. There's, there's, um, that's just the Scottish festivals. So I think, I think we're up to six Scottish festivals that are, that are not going ahead this year or maybe never again. And that's not taking into consideration all the festivals that have shut down in England. And all the festivals that have went ahead are, lo- are losing a lot of money. Ticket sales are down all across the board. And um, some some festivals have a bit more money who can just sort of maybe maybe hopefully hang on there. But yeah, the, the, the less choice means the less places for artists to learn their trade. And yeah, I'm really sad because for me, the independent festival scene was somewhere that I've been involved in for about one way or the other for about 12 years or something, maybe longer. And, you know, I've done everything from being a a litter collector to curating stages to be an artist liaison to being a stage manager to actually running my own festivals and it's just sad to see because for me it was life changing to me to go to these places and and just have fun no assholes no fighting just fun in a safe space where everyone just looks after each other and um, yeah but a festival is one of the trickiest things to pull off and in the best of times and these are not the best of times it's um you and then also you've know, got other things as well we'll look at the tyree festival the entire island got evacuated because god got angry and flooded the place before the first note had been strummed if you look down south to blue dot they had to tell people not to travel if they had a sunday ticket because the weather was so bad and that means they're going to have to refund every Sunday ticket, but still pay the bands who performed to less than half a crowd. And I'm assuming they would have been looking at making a big loss before that. I don't, my understanding is Blue Dot may have some corporate backing these days, so they may just be able to weather the storm. But even festivals with big backing are going to start looking elsewhere as they're looking to turn a profit. It's not the case with any independent festivals. I've worked over the years, I've worked with most festivals in Scotland, um, either as a performer or a worker or a volunteer. And all they want to do is put on a big party where everyone has fun, gets home safe and the show breaks even to survive for another year. It's not the big money maker that people think. Independent festivals have never been about making money. You're in the wrong game if you think it is. The amount of overheads and risk, it's unimaginable to someone who's never looked at one of those dreaded spreadsheets off a laptop in the pissing rain wearing Tesco bags over your socks. Being a volunteer, a litter collector, a stage manager, an artist laser, a performer, a stage creator, a booker, a promoter, an actual head honcho organiser while constantly performing. And sometimes you get paid and sometimes you don't. And money was never even my thoughts. Uh, Teen the Park changed my life when I was 14. That was the first one. That's when, then, when that got a bit too commercial, for, well, it wasn't really too commercial, it was a bit too commercial, but it was just, it was the fact that it was all young people and all the older, wiser people had left to places like Wickerman and Knock and Gorrick. And for a while, that's all there was. It was um, Wickerman, Knock, here, Tea in the Park. 
And it's sad that our generation seems to have lived through the boom of underground parties that were family friendly by day and a, a proper rave by nightfall. Uh, and you know, people, just, you know, some people saying, "Well, the market's oversaturated." I mean, it wasn't oversaturated though. And you know, Transmit exists today, which is formerly Teen the Park. Before they decided the risk of wasted children camping out for four days may be a bad idea after all. But Eden, Belladrum, Kelburn, Buttefest used to coincide peacefully with other festivals that have fell by the wayside, like Audio Soup, Linky Lee, Brew at the Bog, Jock and Doris, the Loch Lomond Party, Loch Lomond Boat Party, and plus your bigger ones like Rock Ness and Connect. The latter, uh, Connect, is making a bit of a comeback albeit in a completely different format. I don't even think there is camping there anymore, and it's in, it's next to Edinburgh Airport. I'm going to guess that Connect is struggling based on... I, I don't have any insight into Connect, to be honest, so I shouldn't really be guessing, but just basing... I'm seeing a lot of sponsored ads and not many reactions to it, and I'm not hearing people talking about it, even though it's a, a cracking lineup. But, I mean, they, once again, Connect probably has the money to to survive another year. They're also they're also clashing with Solfest, I think it's Solfest in Cumbria, who they seem to be expanding after a few tough years before lockdown. And hopefully they can keep up that momentum. So Solfest in Cumbria and then you've Lindisfarne the following week in Northumbria. My band's playing both of them. So please do get tickets if you can. If you're a, you call that radio patron then we should have a wee discount code for you. So you sign up at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio and we have limited discount codes to get you in a bit cheaper if you are skint. Um, now, they're, they're a bit close together. Linda, I mean, because Scotland's losing so many festivals, I'm hoping that they can expect a mass Scottish invasion, especially when there's loads of friends on the lineups from Scotland. So I um, there's pretty much nothing left in Scotland apart from Connect this year. I would try and get to Solfest or Lindisfarne if you can and support them. Great lineups and good people involved. Uh, so I, I don't think I don't think we have too many festivals. We just don't actually have enough people with the cash to go right now up here. Many would love to go, but the price goes up of everything. Everyone charges more, therefore tickets cost more. But everyone has less money unless you're a Tory or a Tory adjacent. Uh, perhaps another reason might be the delayed reaction to the pandemic. Many people are possibly they're too anxious to be in big crowds. Some just got too comfy and lazy sitting in the house in order to take away. Some people get really old in those years, me included. You know, there was, you know, if you're certain certain age, two years can be quite a lot a lot of time. I went from young to middle aged, and a bit too stone heavier. And I was forced, when I was forced to swap partying and um, running about organising gigs and performing to eating and not moving and doing this podcast. <laughs> so um, you've got some people that are depressed and suffering from trauma all over all that happened. We have a mental health crisis. We had a mental health crisis beforehand. And we had an underfunded health system beforehand. But things have got so much worse and... And when I say underfunded, I mean deliberately underfunded an attempt to sell it all off to private US companies that your local MP probably has shares in by now. Back to festivals, Beat Herder. 
is allegedly a few thousand tickets below its usual targets in a market where there's not much room for error. So I don't know if they had to make it smaller this year or have to consider cutting it back next year. And the biggest and best festival I've ever played is Brimtown. And my band were honoured to play it last year. And they've cut capacity from 80,000 to 40,000 over 50 stages to get back to its roots. That was last year. And I think it did sell it last year. But in order to save the festival, they were even forced to cut a deal with Live Nation. And apparently that was the choice they had. Either do a deal with Live Nation or Boomtown was dead in the water. So from that sense, I know there's a lot of controversy about doing a deal with Live Nation, but Boomtown's great. It's a unique, a unique experience. As long as they don't get involved with the creative side of things, it's fine. I'd rather there was a Boomtown with Live Nation money than no Boomtown at all. But they've not sold out this year. They've been accused of, being, of selling out to Live Nation, but the tickets haven't sold out this year, which is the first time for many years that I can remember. Um, but yeah, I'd rather they stayed independent, but it may not be possible to stay independent anymore. And I've even seen people taking pops at Belladrum for having Innocent Gun as the official beer sponsor. People are raging about that. And um, that's something that would normally piss me off too, but if taking a bit of beer money saves it, then I suppose that's the best of two evils. Nothing I've ever done has had an alcohol sponsor or a corporate sponsor of any kind. Or funding. But it's probably going to need to go one way or the other, whether it's a corporate sponsor or it's funding. And it's not easy to get funding. So, because basically right now, according to social media, because everyone moans in social media comments all the time now, so what I've, I've got a wee list of what everyone wants in social media. They want big name artists. They want the next big thing artists. They want grassroots artists paid a musician's union rate, regardless of how new or small their fan base is. As in, you can start a band today, and then next week you're expected a musician's union rate. They want multiple upon multiple stages, with incredible light shows, art decor, and literally fireworks every night. They want all crew to be paid a top quality wage, and that includes volunteers who have never set foot in a festival before. They want cheap drink and cheap food from the stalls and the bars. And most of all, they want it all for under £100, including camper van parking, where they can bring their own booze and food into the arena. And how do I know that's what they want? Because that's what I want. And that's why I think we might be fucked. But it's not all negativity. There's lots of good things happening in the scene. But you've just got to support your local scene. And if you live really, really far away, support your really, really far away scene. And don't buy Taylor Swift tickets. Was it £1,000 for a Taylor Swift tickets? That could get you a few years worth of amazing uh, underground artists. So we'll end this with a positive. There's lots of good things coming up. We've got Solfest, we've got Lindisfarne. And uh, right now... We've got a very positive interview with the incredible Mystic, who's a hip-hop legend. We're going to go live to Oakland, California, USA, to speak to Mystic, also known as the goddess of digital underground fame. We discuss politics, Kanye West, most deaf, the writing process, living in Oxford, ciphers that turn to battle raps, California storms, empress, manifesting, and positive energy for the future. 
Thank you to everyone who listens and supports your Call That Radio. Also, we shout out to Michael, who um, ended up mixing and mastering this interview as well. Uh, don't blame him for this intro, because I just did this in a one take uh, myself. But he's going to mix and master the rest of it, so it sounds good to your ears. I hope you enjoy the show. Bye! You call that radio, radio, radio. In California, so hello to California, and it's morning over there. And are you a morning person? You seem really bright and breezy already. I am a morning person. I've been working with children for a long time in my life. I've been working with children only one year less than I've been an MC. So, and I really love kindergarten. Or I don't know if you guys have a different term for kindergarten. Nursery. I think I think it's nursery. Yeah, nursery. And so you know you. Those are great, beautiful, wonderful people. So yeah, I'm a morning person. Yeah, I'm a nighttime. It is. <laughs> I'm definitely nighttime. Also, Oakland, California, right now has. A, well, you, when I was just talking to you before we went on air, there, there was an alarm going off. Give people a wee bit of background. What is going on in in California just now? Yeah, so it's winter time in Cal. Well, it's winter time in America right now for the most part. And so we have a storm that's heading in today. There is a cyclone bomb that is out in the Pacific Ocean, and that is an actual meteorological term. And then there's also an atmospheric river. An atmospheric river dumps tons of water. So New Year's Eve, we had a massive, massive storm here at my mom's house. We barely prevented our house from flooding. Our power was out. And there was there was flooding all over and power outages all over. And so the ground is saturated. So with this storm coming in, it's not only a water event, it's a wind event. And so it's on a scale of one to five, with five being the worst of these kind of storms. This is a level five storm. Wow. Um, the rain kind of started overnight this morning. And then in a few hours, we'll start to kind of go into the most severe part of the storm. And it will continue to Thursday. And then we will also have more rain off and on for like the next 10 days. So when the ground is so saturated, you know, trees are going to fall over. Power lines are going to fall over. There's going to be flooding. And when you have a level five storm, that means that there's an anticipated loss of life. Wow. But right now, right now I'm, I'm okay and I'm warm and I'm dry and I'm thankful. And, you know, it's really, we have somewhere between four and 5,000 unhoused community people living in our city. So my heart really goes to those thousands of people who do not have homes and have to live through this storm on the street. It's uh, it's a crazy time in uh, politics in America. We, I think I think Britain and America are having a game of who can have the worst leader <laughs> in charge. Because we're, we're laughing, we laugh at you and then we just, yeah. we, we make it even worse for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was over there, though, as I was telling you, in 2018-19, and that's part of when that kind of transition was was happening. And I was like, everything is a- anywhere I go is in yes. kind of in political crisis. It seems like the top of politics isn't attracting the keenest of minds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we kind of have a slightly different system from America, but same idea, and that's money. So it's like, I remember, uh, you know, we grew up with the American dream. I remember my, my father, correct me, because I think the song was Americanos, Americanos. <laughs> and it was like, anyone can be grow up to be president. And then, then I was like, oh, that's quite good, that. And my dad's like, it's actually a lot of shite. 
because yeah. you need money to become president. Ab- need- absolutely. Absolutely. The, the inequalities here are systemic. They're structural. And I say they're structurally violent. When we say that anybody can grow up to be president or you can grow up to be anybody who you want to be, as long as you go through the educational system, that's a lie. They talk about meritocracy. And as long as you work hard enough, right? And what we know is that in Britain, as well as over here and kind of globally coming from the late 1970s into the 80s with the rise of neoliberalism, that these ideas have been pushed. Our our curriculum and our schools has been changed to promote this idea that if you do that, that you can succeed. However, we know that there are schools that have less funding. There are communities that have less funding, less access to health care. There's been a cut in social support services, right? And so this is not just America or Britain or Scotland. This is globally, this has happened for a long time. And the reason I talk about it like that is as you and I discussed, I study education. I'm an educationalist and I look at education systems internationally. And so I had to go back for some of my published research and and learn about all that. Global. <laughs> what was Oxford like? Oh, God. Now, I mean, it's obviously a, a bit of change culturally from Oakland, I'm imagining. A very yeah. different place. Because, I mean, I've been, I think I've been to Oxford once for a couple of hours, and it's, it seemed very grand and very posh and, um, you know, yeah, man you get but... there and you realize that, so, I mean, it's a, it's a, a cute little, you know, there's beautiful trees and all these castles, little, little castles, castles everywhere. All these pieces. But, you know, as I mentioned, I had studied at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. So I'm used to what I kind of call the colonial system of education. And that town of Oxford is all about the university. It's all about the colleges. What I found to my heart's delight is that I was there with people from all over Europe, tons of people from different African countries, China, India, people from all over the world. And a lot of us who came and were in my in my kind of cohort studying comparative and international education, like we come from communities and places where it's not necessarily posh. And so many of us were there on a scholarship, whether we were there on scholarship from a private entity like me with the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, or, you know, in different countries, the government will provide funding for students to come in and study at Oxford. So I met some really beautiful people and I met some beautiful people who were the working people working every day at the pubs, who were, you know, working at the restaurants, who were working at laundry, who were working at the grocery. Did you meet Felix? I'm going to throw it there. Did you meet Mummy Felix? He was in a bar in Oxford. A big tall South African guy. Mm, I don't know if I. It's the only person I know in Oxford. It was it was a, a wild one throughout there, but he went. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they have great pubs there. Yeah, great fish and chips. But I mean, beautiful people. But definitely, it's kind of it's more that the culture is different. But as somebody who grew up moving about the world, you know, when you go into a country where the culture is different. The worst thing you can do is go in and compare it to your own. What you have to do is come in and say, ah, oh, how do they live here? What is the culture? What are the foods? What's the political system? What do they believe in? How are the children doing? You know, and so that's how I try to move in the world. I do not move about the world in this position of like, oh, it's all about America. I'm about the world in 
we are human and I am here as a guest of your country and your culture. And I have come to learn from you and with you. A hundred percent agree with that. And it's the same, you know, I was just in Spain recently and it's quite, you know, it's just about learning. I always, whenever I go trying, I'm not very good at learning languages, but just learning, hello, thank you, making the effort to try and learn the bit and try and distinguish yourself from, because obviously America's got the, the bad uh, stereotype of being about America. And it's the same with Britain. Brits abroad, it's yeah. like everybody wants the English fry up. People go to different countries and complain that no one speaks English. Yeah. Things yeah. like that. So it's quite important to when you go abroad to go here. I'm not one of those guys. I want to, you know, I, I don't want to go to a place that's made up to look like an English town. You want to go to Spain. Yeah. To, to get yeah. a Spanish culture, not... Yeah, and so my friends who came from other places, they were like, you have to come to where I live, in my country, right? It's not Oxford. Yeah. that's This is not how we live. Coming to Oxford is different. And I mean, you have the very kind of wealthy... You know, I was really struck by the fact that I was probably, you know, and I'm I'm older, right? But that the students, the traditional students coming in to Oxford, that some of those are going to be the political leaders. Those are the students, those are the people who are in the family lines, in the wealth lines, who are going to end up being in parliament, who are going to end up running for prime minister. And and if we really think about it, it, it's those students, wherever we are in the world, where you have disparities in wealth, those are the ones who are in political power most often, and those are the ones who have access to that education. One of the brilliant aspects of studying with those kind of people is that I know what they know. And when we know as activists and organizers and people who advocate on behalf of our people and our communities and for justice, when we know what they know, we have a better toolbox to be able to shift our world into a more just place. That's what I believe. I totally agree with you. When I, I get that from listening to your lyrics and let me say I was listening to one of your older albums, a classic album from 2001. And that was uh, Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom. Yeah. And it was, it was so good to listen to it. Because I remember listening at the time, I mean, I think it was 2002, 2001. And at that time, I was listening to a lot of sort of, I don't know, it was like Eminem, mm-hmm. gangster rap, and um, other stuff like that. And it was quite unusual to hear a positive conscious message from yourself. And obviously, that's what hip-hop was founded on, of course. But at the time, there wasn't really many people doing that. It was inspiring to listen to it again, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to listen to the new album. Let's talk about the new album a little bit. So it's out now. Is this your first album since then? I mean, I know you've been doing lots no, of things. No, no, no. So I put out that Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom in 2001. I stepped back from the music industry in 2004. I was a high school dropout. I had dropped out of school in grade 11 and tried some community college, but didn't do so well there. So I stepped back from the music industry, went to community college because I had to start over. And I did that from, I was in school really from 2004 through 2019, right? Off and on and working. I So I released the Beautiful Resistance album in 2014, but it had been sitting and completed for some time. If you listen to the title track, Beautiful Resistance, and I'm talking about the president and I'm talking about the inequalities in the world and what's happening, but really trying to put forth that we belong to each other in the most beautiful ways. And the only way that we can make it through the challenges that we're going through is together. Right. And so that came in 2014. And then 
Yeah, I graduated from Oxford in 2019 and started working on the album before COVID hit the world. And and here we are. It came out in August of last year, of 2022. Amazing. You've got a brilliant video. Maybe I'll actually... It's okay to play the video just now, just for maybe people... play the video. Can I give a little context for a second? Of course, of course. I'm just going to... I'll get it lined up and you just give us all the context you like. Yeah, so the context for this video is called Butter Green Light. This entire album is produced by Walt Licker. Butter Green Light is the first single. It's also part of a trilogy of videos and what will be a short film. That short film will be called A Black Love Trilogy. In 2022, I was able to do crowdfunding. So I don't call people followers. I call people beautifuls. And so the beautiful community came forth and they funded a Black Love Trilogy. So this video was funded by the beautiful community. This is my first time being able to co-write and co-direct one of my videos. My co-writer and director is Yellow. My director of photography, Kiata Brewer. Amazing production crew, including high school students and people I've known and loved forever. So this is really like, I am an independent artist and this is an independent video and just this week on Monday it aired on BET Soul which for people there who may not be familiar with BET Soul BET that's a mainstream that's a mainstream album I mean obviously to get this there even people that I don't know if we get BET here but obviously it's name checked if you know anyone who's interested in hip hop culture it's name checked and yeah, many songs, and obviously anyone who reads about hip hop, so I know how important how yeah, an independent artist to do that is incredible. This is chapter one of a, a Black Love trilogy, and it's all bright and feels good. So I hope people enjoy it. Uh, it's amazing, and it's another positive message as well. Make me laugh under the covers as you lay me back. I like to trace your lips and kiss your eyes and rest my head in your lap. You're an exceptional man from the 1900s. Grown lovers, no doubt about that. And it's a good thing. I'm your sweet thing. The green light goes both ways. When I'm in your arms as the sun sets, it's been a marvelous day. Goes both ways when I'm in your arms as the sun sets. 
Call that radio TV. We are live from Oakland, California, with the amazing Mystic. What a great tune! What a great video! Thank you so much. And like, I hope it makes people smile when they watch it. Right? So much of the way that love is depicted in the visuals that we see in hip hop, and for me, I'm going to say particularly with Black love, is that it's presented as being transactional. It's presented as being toxic. It's it's presented as being exploitive and get what you can. And it's not really about love and compassion and care and kindness and togetherness. And so I hope when people watch this, they're like, oh, this feels good. And also, I hope that people watch it and it feels accessible. What's depicted in that video? I really do have an Instagram account called Miss Mandy's Kitchen. I really am a home chef. I really love to feed people and nurture people. That My co-star in that video is Ray Love. He's part of the Digital Underground family and he's his own legendary artist and so you know it's not about flashing lights and fancy things and those things are great too don't get me wrong but it's meant to be this like beautiful bright warm depiction of of love and what it is to to kind of meet somebody and dig on them and you don't really know what it is but but it feels good and you're in it wherever it goes i think you've captured that perfectly brought a smile in my face and they brought a smile to uh, Stephen Martin's in Whoop Whoop. Uh, well, yeah, if you're watching on Facebook, by the way, go to YouTube. Go to, you call it Radio's YouTube. It sounds and looks a bit better over there. But I shout out to everyone who's on Facebook and Twitch as well. Joe McCann says, sweet. Jay, 
uh, saying, how are we doing, Trippers? Happy New Year. Hope you're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, mate. I hope you're well, too. And speaking of rappers, right, so Empress, she actually cooks in the kitchen as well. She does, I've seen her cooking on Instagram, and a phenomenal rapper from uh, Paisley, which is a town just outside of... Greetings, uh, Empress. Do you, want, do, you, do you want to hear a, a quick a quick blast? Can we do about 20 seconds of Empress? I would love to. Have you, have you heard the Scottish accent on hip-hop before? I think I must have. But if yeah. not, no better way to hear it than from a woman. Yeah, Empress. I'm the raw, the bucket, the rhythm, the rhyme. When you trade it in for nothing, or this life is really mine. I'm the raw, the bucket, the rhythm, the rhyme. I'm celebrating because I shine. I'll be the raw, the bucket, the rhythm, the rhyme. When you trade it in for nothing, or this life is really mine. I'm the raw, the bucket, the rhythm, the rhyme. The rain, the rhythm, let me start this off by saying I'm no playing, it's a given that I represent myself What and how I'm really living No fronting, no shilling, just me I'm chilling, I'm chilling No other way to be when you're top billing Cause I'm stacking up my killing Same way rappers rack up villains I'm one in a million and the millionth one that's winning It must be the reason I'm always happy and I'm grinning uh, Rappers are sinning, selling more than the souls Doing it for the grand, doing it for the goals But I just can't go for that I love the art, I'm so bold Raw as fuck because my heart and the bars are solid Gold, realistic, optimistic, not soft, don't get it twisted I just choose piece of a box and then getting lifted I'm gifted, plus I never said I was the mental I just know how much violence it takes to be this gentle I'm the raw, the rugged, the rhythm, the rhyme Wouldn't trade it in for nothing or this life is really mine I'm the raw, the rugged, the rhythm, the rhyme I'm celebrating cause I shine That's Empress Shout out to Empress, that is dope I love it when we as MCs, right? within our culture and as an MC, when you are a master of ceremonies at any given time even if you're talking about the people and the community and loving those things at any given time we're also going to spit something that says look i'm fly but when we can say i'm fly and do it in a way that's like you know my heart is bars of gold and i shine and i and i i represent the way that she's talking about in there i think it's beautiful and it's is different like you can can I swear on here? Yes, you can. I think she's like, she's already this a few times. You can pop shit and you can pop your collar, but still be in a place that says like, I represent love and I represent all that is beautiful. So don't, don't come and test me. <laughs> so shout out to Empress. I appreciate that type of popping of a collar and the video looks great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a Macapella on the beat who makes outstanding beats as well. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, just because she's tuned in. So it was just, I just thought because I thought you may like her music, but also she does the cooking on Instagram as well. So yeah, she went, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. Yes, that, that girl mystic, for anyone who's wanting to check out the Instagram, so it's at that girl mystic. I'll put the links in the comments. And, well, let's go back a wee bit to how it all began for you. It's it, Am I right in saying that you were battle rapping? You were doing poetry and battle rapping? I, so, wasn't, I wasn't a battle rapper. I think that's on Wikipedia. Yeah. That's I what read it. Yeah, I wasn't a battle. Who said that? So somebody went into Wikipedia and made that up. People can write. Well, here, here's where it probably comes from. Yeah. Is that when we were celebrating the 20th anniversary of Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom, I brought on as many people who had produced on the album as possible. And part of that was my digital underground family. And part of it was hieroglyphics family and, and all of those things. And one of the questions that I asked them was like, do you remember where we met? And for the majority of them, they were like, I walked into a room and you were in the cipher. 
or you were in and you were all the guys and you were spitting and you were doing this thing. And so I definitely was about the craft. And my thing was always, there's nothing that gives you some leg up because you're a man who's an MC. I always thought hip hop was dope because if you are a master of ceremony, when you step on that stage, it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, what accent you have, what language you speak or what, you know, what, again, what gender you are. But absolutely, sometimes in those ciphers, like if you're spitting towards me and you're talking shit, if it's about sharpening our swords, I'm going to talk shit back to you. You don't get to try to run over me in the cipher because I'm a woman and because I talk about love and the importance of community. I will slay you as well. <laughs> and, and there's absolutely a couple different situations, one in Atlanta that stands out. I don't know, maybe the person who put that on Wikipedia was in that club when I went to Atlanta in 1996. And there was an entire crew of men who they turned it into a battle. And then I slaughtered every last single one of them. And I left the club. But to me, it wasn't about battle. It's about it's about respect. And it's about my sword is as sharp as yours, if not sharper. What I have to go through as a woman in hip hop to prove that my level of skill is brilliant and is as dope as a man's is like, I have to be doper than you. Absolutely. I'm not a battle rapper, but definitely about ciphers. Coming uh, up with hieroglyphics, who I think are world known for being amazing freestylers. I learned to freestyle coming up with hieroglyphics. We were all friends in high school. So for me, ciphers, yeah, you, you sharpen blades, you share where you're at emotionally, you share with whatever's going on around you. So not a battle rapper, but I started out, you know, the first time I got on a mic, though, I did demand to have the mic because the men kept passing it around and they didn't they didn't pass it to me, so I took it. And I'm not sure that I was actually dope at that point. But well, that's, uh, how you, that's how you get dope, though, isn't it? <laughs> practice. Practice taking it off. When did it go from being a writer? Which you're sitting there freestyling with your, your friends, hieroglyphics. At what point do you think, I want to make a record or I want to do a gig? Um, I mean, I started rhyming when I was 16. Yeah. And I started working with children when I was 17. I was on commercial records with like the Brothers Under Madness and stuff like that. By the time, I think I wrote that rhyme when I was 20. So I was already on records with the Conscious Daughters and Sugar Tea and a bunch of artists from the Bay Area. So I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do with my life. So I think I always wanted to make a record. I always wanted people to hear my art, right? I wasn't necessarily like, oh, that's how I'm going to financially support myself and what have you. Because I'm 48, like this year, it, we're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop. I literally grew up with hip hop. I am part of a generation that was figuring out how to do this and creating new ways to do it. And yeah, there's still new styles that are created and new approaches because that's the nature of any type of culture. But yeah, I never knew that it would come to where we are now. But yeah, I think I always wanted to make the records. And then by the time I was 20, 21, I was, I was already on my way into becoming part of Digital Underground. So yeah, I had a pretty, I think, magical and storied rise and journey. And so by the time we came out with The Life, and even though that was a majority singing song, 
people knew that I had paid my dues as an MC. I didn't just kind of pop up out of nowhere. I see that you toured Europe. Was that, is that as a solo artist or was that with Digital Underground? And no, I toured Europe with Dave Ghetto and Hezekiah. And we came out and we toured through, oh gosh, we, we did shows in Germany, Switzerland. We went to quite a few different countries. We were traveling around in a van. Dave Ghetto has his own interlude on my first album. And Hezekiah is just a super dope hip hop artist too. So we went as three artists and we originally started off doing our own sets. And fairly quickly in the tour, we started staying on stage with each other, doing ad libs and rocking with each other and kind of putting together this whole musical experience. And then when we were in Vienna, we met the Wax Solutionists and they asked us to come in, you know, well, you got you guys want to come in and do a track with us. And so we went in and did it. And then we came back later that year, Summer in Vienna. There's an album out there. However, people can find it called Summer in Vienna. That is myself, Dave Ghetto, and Hezekiah, all produced by the Wax Solutionists. And that was that tour. And for anybody listening, or if you even have connections, I'm trying to get back to Europe and tour. I'm trying to get to places that I've never been. I've never been to Scotland. I've never... Well, we, we can sort of every Glasgow. I would love to if you know people who can help me. I can be on, I can be on a Glasgow gig, no problem. If you're coming well, to Europe... I love that. If, if you're going to Europe anyway, Glasgow is not an issue. And I'm sure if we put a show... We could probably get another couple of cities. That would be, you know, you know, I a lot of times I facilitate in communities when I come out. I do workshopping with teenagers and with young adults and just building. Very often it's with young people who don't have a lot of resources, right? There is so much power in hip-hop culture. And, and whether you are an MC or you are a B-boy, B-girl, graffiti artist, you know, DJ, there's so much power that we have to create culture, to shape culture, and to talk about what's happening in our communities and raise awareness about the beauty and power of who we are. 100%. Steve Martin saying, Dunn calling. I think he's referred to the Rabble Festival. There's lots, lots of great Scottish festivals as well. So if it's a summertime <laughs> thing. Yeah. I just, I don't, I'm like, who am I supposed to talk to? I don't know. Well, Give, give me a shirt. Scotland, I know, I, I can do the Scotland thing. No worries. Uh, Empress, I in peace, Mystic, thank you, big love, Mark. Oh, yeah, thank you, Empress. Hopefully we can connect. Joe McCann and Susan, I've offered you a place to stay. <laughs> and trying to And they're being real. Joe, Joe and Susan, they, they do, they've put up a few artists over the years. They're, they're a good, nice. a great nice, team. Nice, nice. Uh, shall we stay Meditate 88 in the house? Uh, thanks for tuning in. That's um, the beauty of touring, though, right, is that you can really come out. So, like, on that Europe tour, at that time in Germany, they were displacing artists from, like, this artist collective. They had they were living in a building, and they were doing beautiful things in the building. Then the police came out and removed them from the building. And some of the people who were involved with that came to the show, you know, and they gave us shirts, you know, said, fuck the police, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But more importantly, we got to have conversations and learn. And we were also able on that stage to be able to be in solidarity with what those young people were doing as they were what I call beautifully, beautifully resisting and saying, you're, you're displacing us. We are artists. We are also valuable in this society and in this community. And those connections, I mean, we can connect over social media. But it's not the same as being in the same place. It's not the same as being in a cipher. It's not the same as 
hugs. It's not the same as, as somebody saying, come and eat at my mother's house and hang out or come to my school. It's just, there's nothing like the beauty of, of being an artist and, and in hip hop, being able to move about the world. Yeah, absolutely. We started doing, this was just to be an audio podcast just before the start of lockdown. And then we started doing this, which was great over lockdown, but now we've, we're now doing live interviews in person. That's the plan for this year. Yeah. Do it. No, obviously it's fine if we're quite someone from California. But a lot of the time I was interviewing people from down the road through a webcam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it was just easier. It was just easier. But we need to stop that this new year. That's the resolution. We're going to do more face to face interviews. So I'm uh, going back to Wikipedia. How much of this is right then? So I seen that you did backing vocals for Maroon Five. Is that a real thing? I did do that. Yes, that yes. is real. I sang backgrounds on Sunday morning. At the time, Maroon Five was called Kara's Flowers, and we were managed basically by the same management company. And so, yeah, they asked, "Can you come in and do some backgrounds?" And so I came in and, and sang backgrounds on that. Kanye West, you, you did a song with Kanye West. Kanye West was that- brought in. So when Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom was released, it was originally, I was signed to, to Good Vibe, which was an independent label. They did what's called a joint venture deal with a label called JCOR. Joint venture just means, you know, it's joint in, in, in business and kind of profit making J-Corps folded after 9-11, right? We have to think that that first album dropped July 31st, 2001, September 11th, you know, that particular September 11th in America, right? Because that that date has meaning in other countries as well, happened right after. So J-Corps folded and then I went over to DreamWorks Records and we decided that we were going to re-release the album, but that I was going to record a couple new tracks. And two of those tracks that were recorded were with Kanye. The world did not yet know Kanye like that. Like we literally were in a room and he was playing me music. And at one point he got down like on his knees on the floor and he was rapping Jesus Walks. Oh, wow. Um, was it right? And so he was playing through music and I was, and he skipped through a song and I said, what is that? And he said, I haven't really mastered that style yet, basically. And I said, well, that's what I want. You hear it in like Talib Kweli's Get By. You start to hear the style develop. And so he and I worked together. One of those songs he produced, and it's Myself and Most Deaf. And the other one is Myself and the amazing singer Donnell Jones. And Kanye was in the accident. Yes. During that time period when we were working together. He came into the session and his mouth was wired shut and he played me through the wire. And I was like, please stop, you know, be careful. Your mouth is break <laughs> the wires in, in your mouth. And I was offering to make him, you know, soup so he can suck it through the straw. And so working with Kanye also was just like, he was doing such amazing things with, with live musicians, bringing in live musicians to play recording the live musicians and then sampling the live music that had been done. And that is part of that lush, brilliant sound that he had at that time. And so it was an honor to work with him at that time. And so people can find those songs on YouTube. It's YouTube. Well, I mean, we've got time for another song. Or should we play something from the new album? Yeah. Play something from the new album. And, but yeah, just well, that's an amazing story. I mean, that's a that's a pivotal moment in hip hop history. Well, Kanye was that. It's obviously it was through the wire, 
I believe it was that song just came on MTV one day. And I'd, yeah, maybe, I'd, maybe, I'd maybe heard the name before. I'd maybe heard the name before from production, but that song came out and then it was just... Yeah. It was a and, that was, and that was it. And during that time period too, like he was like, let me rap on it. And I was like, mm, I'm not seeing that on my song. Right? Yeah. Thank you. But the production is dope. He asked me to use my studio time to come in and work on something. And I was like, yeah, no, I have to pay it all back for this. <laughs> right? It's not just the studio, but I think he ended up doing a session where I think that's where he ended up producing the Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, me and my boyfriend. So it was a dope time and John Legend wasn't out and popping yet. So he was like kind of moving around. His mixtape was out. It was a, it was a beautiful time. And it was and a beautiful time. Most Def as well, one of my favorites. And, and Love Talib Def. Love Def. Talib Kwadli had been on the remix for The Life. I moved in those circles. I spent time in New York. And, you know, we would end up on shows in different places uh, across America. And so it's dope to have worked with some of the masters in our culture. Absolutely. All time great. So what, let's, let's talk about the new one. What's your favorite song from the new album? Oh, and, gosh. I don't know. And where, where could I play it from? Is it on, is it on YouTube? Or Yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube. Um, okay, what's the first one that comes into your head? Here a lie, spirits high. Um, so this is off the new album. How do people get the new album? The new album, I have a, I'm going to put this in the chat. It's the link tree from my Instagram. And that has a link at the top, in the top section, where you can find the album on any place that you listen to. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Deezer, whatever it is. You can also access interviews on there you can also access as an academic scholar i am published in a peer-reviewed journal you can find my academic writing on there and you can find some other community stuff on there but so through that link yeah yeah i didn't need all the other stuff at the end that's enough just that girl mystic uh, link tree and um, yeah if you go onto that if you click that link guys i put in the comments it should be there on twitch facebook and youtube and this is what you'll get is just a list of all the amazing things, all the different social medias, the website, and oh, there's just so much good stuff there. Yeah, I'd prefer to put it there because here's the thing is like there's people like you and maybe some people watching this or who will watch it later who have been supporting me for, you know, a long time now. <laughs> yeah. Decades now. But there's also new people who are discovering me. There's also young people who are discovering the first album, younger people, Cuts for Luck and Spars for Freedom, who look, the world is not all that different than when I released that album in my 20s. There's still police killing people in our communities. There's still too many people in prisons. It's still about how do we discover who we are and try to get on our healing journeys because of the trauma that we experience in our communities. And so I try to put all that stuff in that link tree and also share stuff across my social media and obviously in interviews so that people can go and they can explore who I am and they, they can also come to understand if you start with Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom, I was still what I call a broken black girl when I made that album. I was searching for healing. I was trying to understand, you know, what is this world and why is it this way and why am I losing the people that I love? And and if you listen through that, through Beautiful Resistance and to the new Dreaming and Curse of the Girl Who Loves Sparklers album, the new album is what I call my healed Black woman music. And so you hear over the course of 
the art. You hear my journey through womanhood. You hear my journey through healing. And you you hear my consistency in balancing like, oh, there's so much trauma in the world and there's war and poverty, but also we're beautiful and we're powerful and we're magnificent and community is everything. And how do we come together? So that link tree, people go and explore that. You can end up on quite some quite some adventures. If they head over to my band camp, they can also find a couple songs that are not on any of the Spotify's or anywhere else because there were samples in them that I couldn't get cleared, but they were deep, painful songs to me. It's amazing. And I, and I did hear a little bit of Beautiful Resistance and it was, because I didn't even know that was a full album, but I did listen yeah. to a bit of that. And it was the, it sounded like a, it, was a, it was a poetry track. It sounded more like poetry with a soundscape in the background and it, it was a, had a really nice sound to it. Oh, thank you. All my albums open with a spoken word at the beginning and they close with the spoken word at the end. And Beautiful Resistance has, she's very much like a daughter to me, Imani Fela, shout out to her. I asked her, I said, will you please write a poem for the album about me and about our relationship? And I didn't tell her what to write. And she came back with that. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so the closing track, spoken word track for me, so her track is called Mama Love. The closing track is called Love, Mama Love. I've presented this entire album and then I close it by by talking to the listeners, but I'm talking back to her. And the power of having a brilliant young Black woman who's a daughter to me open the album was kind of me trying to, to show what's really important to me, right? This is who I really am. Whatever you think about me and you see that you think you see on TV or you think because I'm on TV or because there's bright lights and, you know, these things are happening. This is what's happening in my most personal and private life. Asking a fan or a a supporter of my music to describe me is different than asking a young woman who I have been mentoring since she was like 15 and is now in her late 20s. That's a very different person to speak on behalf of you. And so, yeah, I love those spoken word parts on that album. Just to touch on that writing process, how do the words come to you? Are you writing to beats or are you writing poetry first? Or how does it normally, I'm sure it's different every time, but how is the most likely scenario of you creating a piece of art? The most recent scenario is how we made the Dreaming and Cursive album. And so I guess I should step back and say, I kind of make a distinction between my, my poetry and my rhyming, even though my rhymes are poetry. I write poetry all the time. I write haikus all the time. I write poems. You know, something breaks my heart. I see something. Something makes me happy. I'm inspired. I write those poems all the time, and those are personal and private. You know, 99% of the time, they do not get shared with the public. When writing my rhymes and those types of poems, what we do with the Dreaming and Cursive album is all of the singing songs I went into the studio and I literally wrote them freestyling on the mic. I stood in front of the mic and I figured out my melodies and my lyrics, you know, and then I would start to build it. I might do one verse and write the chorus through that process, go home and then come back and and Walt Licker and I would work on it more. For the rhyming songs, I really am looking for my soundscapes, like, As a producer, right? And there's a difference between a beat maker and a producer. As a producer who crafts 
music and is interested in how the music itself is telling a story and is impacting the like the frequency of energy that we feel those are those are the producers that I love first for me is I listen to a piece of music and it strikes some place in me it tells me a story it draws a story out of me and then for the rhymes I sit and I write those I don't write my rhymes really through freestyling maybe if I'm doing something for like a mixtape or whatever I when it's not storming I do a morning walk five to six miles every morning. Sometimes I freestyle on that and I can draw ideas that come for that. But but really for creating albums, I sit down and I write to the music or I freestyle singing to the to the music. And I'm not an artist who just creates all the time. I never have been. I call life living. That is input. The art is output. And we have to live our lives. Our art is informed by our lives. Our lyrics should be informed by our lives, both the one that we are living and also what we imagine and where we want to go and who we want to be. And so, yeah, like when it's time to make an album, I know it's time to make an album. And then I record the album. I know when it's done somewhere in my soul. And then the album is done and I close that. And then... I go back to living for life. So do you give yourself a deadline at all or do you just go, no, I feel like it's ready now? No, here's the beauty of people. People had no idea that I was making this album. Yeah. And just give they, they, they had no idea that I was making the Beautiful Resistance album. But even more with this album, they had no idea that that's what I'm doing. The beauty of that is that creating creating is a sacred process. And when nobody knows what you're doing and you don't have deadlines and you're not working in like a capitalist structure or corporate structure, you get to be present and and create. And so I I don't know how to describe it. You just you kind of know I, I really make concept albums and somewhere within myself, there's just like this, huh, I feel like that's a complete thought. Every album is a complete thought as a conceptual piece. Does that answer? That is a brilliant answer. That <laughs> totally does answer it. So what is coming up next? We're going to finish with Here Alive, so you can explain that in a minute, what that's all about. But what, what is coming up next? Is there, have you, are you going to be playing any live shows? or? No, I'm, try, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get live shows. We're in a really strange place with live tours. You put it mildly. You put it mildly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, not just because of touring. We're in a really weird place, generally speaking. Yes. Uh, with, with touring... It's challenging right now because, you know, inflation is a global issue, the cost to tour. And as a promoter, you just don't you don't know what's going to happen. Artists have to cancel shows because they get COVID or members of their band get COVID. And there's a lot of opportunities for like really mainstream established artists. And then you see some collection of opportunities for like just, you know, really dope kind of you know, what we would call more hip hop artists, you know, or artists who came from the from the underground. But yeah, every I, I've reached out to artists who are touring and who are friends of mine. And every interview, I'm like, I would like to go because, yeah, I'm finding it a challenge to get. Even really established, successful touring acts that are, are canceling duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... don't have anything live at the moment. But you're manifesting that your your music is manifesting. 
You are. You, you, you talk about that in your lyrics. You do manifest positive yeah, energy. Absolutely. So, so you put it out in the universe, but, and then we all manifest together, and that's yeah. one thing we end up in the same place. But, you know, really, the as I was talking about a Black Love trilogy as a short film, there's three chapters. What we saw, Buttergreen Light, is the first chapter. The second chapter is Still Love, and the third chapter is Always Love, Always. These are all songs on the Dreaming in Cursive album. And so... Those will be released as standalone videos and then a Black Love trilogy will be released as a as a short film and it will have different pieces in it. It won't just be the videos, you know, kind of edited together. And so that's really a lot of my focus. We're in post-production for the third chapter and then we'll move into post-production for the short film itself. So a lot of my, my emphasis is going on that. And then, you know, I am a really open... I mean, I'm an incredibly private kind of person because I think we all need our personal lives. But I'm also really open about what the journey is as an independent artist. There are artists who say that they are independent, but they have financial backers. And so that's a kind of independent. There are artists who say that they are independent and it's a mixtape, but there's a major label behind that and helping to push it. I am an independent artist who released my album on my independent label, Beautiful Soundworks. Everything I'm doing is genuinely independent. And so everybody's so used to right now, like you, you know, artists go viral, things go viral, you find these songs, things quickly happen. But the reality is, is that we're working this album like we would have worked an album 15, 20 years ago or in some cases the way that they were worked before even I was born which is you invest time and you build with the people who you know are your supporters and you try to engage other people so with butter green light even though that single has been out and the video has been out for I don't know a couple months now I want to say that but but it just got and think about that it's been out for a couple months but it just got played on BET Soul well, that's even more impressive. And so there's remixes that are coming for Butter. There are, I'm going to do some fun cooking stuff on social media. We'll make the recipe that's made in the video. We'll do some, for people who are familiar with some of the things that are in that Butter video, and for people who are not, there's books in there from amazing poets like War Sunshine. There's books in there like Push Out, which are about the push out of Black girls from schools and pushed into the prison disciplinary system. There's an altar in there that includes Shock G and it includes Tupac Shakur. There's these pieces in there. If people pay attention, there's a cookbook by an amazing black woman chef. And so we'll be going through and kind of diving into those things. If anybody watching has ever been a fan of Astero, the blanket that I'm laying on in that video is a blanket that Astero gave me to wrap myself in every year around the time when we get to the anniversary of my father's passing, my father passed from a heroin overdose in 1999. And and yeah, she gave me that blanket of many colors, as I call it, to wrap myself in and to keep me warm. So there's, there's fun stuff to continue to play with butter. And so this is a long answer. And I'm actually talking about things right now that I haven't talked about <laughs> anywhere. These are just what we're working on in the background. But I feel like this is a great, opportunity because sometimes people are watching and they're like okay well what's happening next and it seems quiet over there it seems this but when you're into 
independent and you're working on all these things yourself and you have a small team, it takes time and you just do piece by piece and you celebrate every single thing. So like when my publicist came and said, you know, you're beautiful in Scotland, would love to talk with you. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. This is huge because I haven't done any interviews there. What a blessing. And you know, like how wonderful it is to do that. And so, yeah, long answer made short at the moment is what's coming up next is continuing to build with people and share and put the work in to try to get the art to as many people as possible in the world. Well, you've definitely got plenty of beautifuls in Scotland when I announced yesterday that you were going to be on the show. There's people we check it watching this back and um, very excited to hear that you were going to be here. So yes, I can't. I, we're we're gonna we're gonna make it um, manifest that you're coming if you get yes, we're coming to Europe. Okay, right? Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry about Scotland. We'll get you. Scotland's fine. We can sort that out. So just um, that would be so beautiful and exciting, yeah. right? And I know I'm kind of nerdy that way, but like one of the things that I love the most about being an artist is being able to connect with people and to be in those environments and to and to share performing is not standing on a stage and rapping at people it's a ceremony and there's an exchange of energy and vibe and sometimes you know it's cathartic and we can heal together we can love together and we can celebrate together and so to me it's very much about building community meditate 88 says the collective energy nothing beats that it would be cool if Mystic could do temporary autonomous art while in the UK. What is that? I'm just I'm just Googling it. It's um, TEA events are free open access art festivals that have been transforming and occupying spaces across the UK since 2001. Sounds like something up my... Up my I, know, I think it sounds like <laughs> similar to what we're talking about. I'll send you... I think I found their Instagram, so I'll send you the link to that on Instagram. Okay. It sounds good. Sounds cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, shout out to Meditate 88 for, for that tip. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, because it's, you have got lots of different formats to your art, it does make sense to try and do a bit of art exhibitions or a bit of speaking and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, thank you so much. It's been amazing to speak oh, to you today. You um, and hopefully we see you, we can manifest you to yeah. Scotland and the real world. I will see you. I will see you in the future. And before we go, just um, I'm gonna we're gonna finish with what what you said the first song that came to your head when I said what's your favorite yeah. song off the new album, which is Here Alive, Spirits High. Uh, could you just give us a little bit of context, a bit of background to this yeah. song? What it means to you? So I am a huge not only Outcast fan, yeah, um, organized noise, and there was something about this piece of music that reminded me of the vibe of the Equemini album. And so that's kind of what the music felt for me, that nourishment that's in the music and how it kind of envelops your entire being. But here, here, here Alive, Spirits High is, is really about offering the gentle, loving reminders and affirmations. You can't go around these things that are happening to us as young people, as men, as women, as humans. We can't go around them. We have to go through them. And we need to keep that, keep our spirits high and hold on, as Miriam Kibitz talks about, hope as a discipline. We have to hold on to that hope. We have to hold on to like that frequency and that energy. And just really, I know that life is hard. I've experienced a lot of trauma. And 
we have to hold on to what is beautiful. We have to hold on to collective and community. We have to know that. And so here alive, yeah, we need you here alive. I'm telling you straight up. I'm talking to you and saying, we need you here a lot. Keep your spirits high. We don't just need you here. We need you here alive and and present. So that's what this song is about. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank uh, this is Mystic with Here Alive. Go click the link in the comments to get the new album. And thank you very much, Mystic. Uh, stay safe yeah. in the storm. Thank you.
your spirits high We need you here alive Keep push pushing on It's not time for you to die Don't try to hold you down But keep your head high Go through and lie around To do more than survive Keep your spirits high We need you here alive Keep push pushing on It's not time for you to die Don't try to hold you down But keep your head high Go through and lie around To do more than survive um, Gotta do more than just survive